0: section twenty of the call of the canyon by zane gray this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven part one carley burst in upon her aunt look at me aunt mary she cried radiant and exultant i'm going back out west to marry glenn and live his life the keen old eyes of her aunt softened and dimmed dear carley i've known that for a long time You found yourself at last. Then Carly breathlessly babbled her hastily formed plans, every word of which seemed to rush her onward. "'You're going to surprise Glenn again?' queried Aunt Mary. "'Oh, I must. I want to see his face when I tell him.' "'Well, I hope he won't surprise you,' declared the old lady. "'When did you hear from him last?' "'In January, it seems ages. But Aunt Mary, you don't imagine. Glenn?' I imagine nothing interposed her aunt. It will turn out happily, and I'll have some peace in my old age, but Carley, what's to become of me? Oh, I never thought, replied Carley blankly. It will be lonely for you, Auntie. I'll come back in the fall for a few weeks. Glenn will let me let you, ye gods, you've come to that imperious Carley birch, Thank heaven you'll now be satisfied to be let do things. I'd, I'd crawl for him breathed carley well child as you can't be practical i'll have to be replied aunt mary seriously fortunately for you i'm a woman of quick decision listen i'll go west with you i want to see the grand canyon then i'll go on to california where i have old friends i've not seen for years when you get your new home all fixed up i'll spend a while with you and if i want to come back to new york now and then i'll go to a hotel it is settled i think the change will benefit me auntie you make me very happy i could ask no more said carley swiftly as endless tasks could make them the days passed but those on the train dragged interminably carley sent her aunt through to the canyon while she stopped off at flagstaff to store innumerable trunks and bags the first news she had of glenn and the hudders was that they had gone to the tonto basin to buy hogs and would be absent at least a month this gave birth to a new plan in carley's mind she would doubly surprise glenn wherefore she took counsel with some flagstaff businessmen and engaged them to set a force of men at work on the deep lake property making the improvements she desired and hauling lumber cement bricks machinery supplies and all the necessities for building construction also she instructed them to throw up a tent-house for her to live in during the work and to engage a reliable mexican man with his wife for servants when she left for the canyon she was happier than ever before in her life it was near the coming of sunset when carley first looked down into the grand canyon she had forgotten glenn's tribute to this place in her rapturous excitement of preparation and travel the canyon had been merely a name but now she saw it and she was stunned what a stupendous chasm gorgeous in sunset color on the heights purpling into mystic shadows in the depths there was a wonderful brightness of all the millions of reds and yellow and gray surfaces still exposed to the sun carley did not feel a thrill because feeling seemed inhibited she looked and looked, yet was reluctant to keep on looking. She possessed no image in mind with which to compare this grand and mystic spectacle. A transformation of color and shade appeared to be going on swiftly, as if gods were changing the scenes of a titanic stage. As she gazed, the dark fringed line of the north rim turned to burnished gold, and she watched that with fascinated eyes. It turned rose it lost its fire it faded to quiet cold gray the sun had set then the wind blew cool through the pinions on the rim there was a sweet tang of cedar and sage on the air and that indefinable fragrance peculiar to the canyon country of arizona how it brought back to carly remembrance of oak creek in the west across the purple notches of the abyss a dull gold flare showed where the sun had gone down In the morning at eight o'clock, there were great irregular black shadows under the domes and peaks and escarpments. Bright Angel Canyon was all dark, showing dimly its ragged lines. At noon, there were no shadows, and all the colossal gorge lay glaring under the sun. In evening, Carly watched the canyon as again the sun was setting. Deep dark blue shadows, like purple sails of immense ships, in wonderful contrast, with the bright sunlit slopes, grew and rose toward the east, down the canyons and up the walls that faced the west. For a long while there was no red color, and the first indication of it was a dull bronze. Carly looked down into the void, at the sailing birds, at the precipitous slopes, and the dwarf spruces, and the weathered old yellow cliffs. When she looked up again, the shadows out there were no longer dark. They were clear. The slopes and depths and ribs of rock could be seen through them. Then the tips of the highest peaks and domes turned bright red. Far to the east she discerned a strange shadow, slowly turning purple. One instant it grew vivid, then began to fade. Soon after that all the colors darkened and slowly the pale gray stole over all. At night Carly gazed over and into the black void, but for the awful sense of depth she would not have known the canyon to be there a soundless movement of wind passed under her the chasm seemed a grave of silence it was as mysterious as the stars and as aloof and as inevitable it had held her sense of beauty and proportion in abeyance at another sunrise the crown of the rim a broad belt of bare rock turned pale gold under its fringed dark line of pines the tips of the peak gleamed opal there was no sunrise red no fire the light in the east was a pale gold under a steely green-blue sky all the abyss of the canyon was soft gray transparent and the belt of gold broadened downward making shadows on the west slopes of the mesas and escarpments far down in the shadows she discerned the river yellow turgid palely gleaming by straining her ears carley heard a low dull roar as of a distant storm she stood fearfully at the extreme edge of a stupendous cliff where it sheered dark and forbidding down and down into what seemed red and boundless depths of hades she saw gold spots of sunlight on the dark shadows proving that somewhere impossible to discover the sun was shining through wind-worn holes In the sharp ridges every instant carley grasped a different effect her studied gaze absorbed an endless changing and at last she realized the sun and light and stars and moon and night and shade all working incessantly and mutably over shapes and lines and angles and surfaces too numerous and too great for the sight of man to hold made an ever-changing spectacle of supreme beauty and colorful grandeur she talked very little while at the canyon it silenced her she had come to see it at the critical time of her life and in the right mood the superficialities of the world shrunk to their proper insignificance once she asked her aunt why did not glenn bring me here as if this canyon proved the nature of all things but in the end carley found that the rendering strife of the transformation of her attitude toward life had insensibly ceased it had ceased during the long watching of this cataclysm of nature this canyon of gold banded black fringed ramparts and red-walled mountains which sloped down to be lost in purple depths that was the final proof of the strength of nature to soothe to clarify to stabilize the tired and weary an upward-gazing soul stronger than the recorded deeds of saints stronger than the eloquence of the gifted uplifters of men stronger than any words ever written was the grand brooding sculptured aspect of nature and it must have been so because thousands of years before the age of saints or preachers before the fret and symbol and figure were cut in stone man must have watched with thought-developing sight the wonders of the earth the monuments of time the glooming of the dark blue sea the handiwork of god in may carley returned to flagstaff to take up with earnest inspiration the labors of home-building in a primitive land it required two trucks to transport her baggage and purchases out to deep lake the road was good for eighteen miles of that distance until it branched off to reach her land and from there it was desert rock and sand. But eventually they made it, and Carley found herself and belongings dumped out into the windy and sunny open. The moment was singularly thrilling and full of transport. She was free. She had shaken off the shackles. She faced lonely, wild, barren desert that must be made habitable by the genius of her direction and the labor of her hands. Always the thought of Glenn hovered tenderly, dreamily in the back of her consciousness but she welcomed the opportunity to have a few weeks of work and activity and solitude before taking up her life with him she wanted to adapt herself to the metamorphosis that had been wrought in her to her amazement and delight a very considerable progress had been made with her plans under a sheltered red cliff among the cedars had been erected the tents where she expected to live until the house was completed these tents were large with board floors high off the ground and there were four of them her living tent had a porch under a wide canvas awning the bed was a box-like affair raised off the floor two feet and it contained a great fragrant mass of cedar boughs upon which the blankets were to be spread at one end was a dresser with a large mirror and a chiffonier there were table and lamp a low rocking-chair a shelf for books a row of hooks upon which to hang things a washstand with its necessary accessories a little stove and a neat stack of cedar chips and sticks navajo rugs on the floor lent brightness and comfort carley heard the rustling of cedar branches over her head and saw where they brushed against the tent roof it appeared warm and fragrant inside and protected from the wind and a subdued white light filtered through the canvas. Almost she felt like reproving herself for the comfort surrounding her, for she had come west to welcome the hard knocks of primitive life. It took less than an hour to have her trunk stored in one of the spare tents and to unpack clothes and necessaries for immediate use. Carly donned the comfortable and somewhat shabby outdoor garb she had worn at Oak Creek the year before and it seemed to be the last thing needed to make her fully realize the glorious truth of the present i am here she said to her pale yet happy face in the mirror the impossible has happened i have accepted glenn's life i have answered that strange call out of the west she wanted to throw herself on the sunlit woolly blankets of her bed and hug them to think and think of the bewildering present happiness to dream of the future but she could not lie or sit still nor keep her mind from grasping at actualities and possibilities of this place, nor her hands from itching to do things. It developed presently that she could not have idled away the time, even if she had wanted to, for the Mexican woman came for her with smiling gesticulation and jabber that manifestly meant dinner. Carly could not understand many Mexican words, and herein she saw another task. This swarthy woman and her slow-eyed husband favorably impressed Carly. Next to claim her was Hoyle, the superintendent. Miss he said, In the early days we could run up a log cabin in a jiffy. Axes, horses, strong arms, and a few pegs. That was all we needed. But this house you've planned is different. It's good you've come to take the responsibility. Carly had chosen the site for her home on top of the knoll, where glenn had taken her to show her the magnificent view of mountains and desert carley climbed it now with beating heart and mingled emotions a thousand times already that day it seemed she had turned to gaze up at the noble white-clad peaks they were closer now apparently looming over her and she felt a great sense of peace and protection in the thought that they would always be there but she had not yet seen the desert that had haunted her for a year when she reached the summit of the knoll and gazed out across the open space it seemed that she must stand spellbound how green the cedared foreground how gray and barren the downward slope how wonderful the painted steps the vision that had lived in her memory shrank to nothingness the reality was immense more than beautiful appalling in its isolation beyond comprehension With its lure and strength to uplift. But the superintendent drew her attention to the business at hand. Carly had planned an L-shaped house of one story. Some of her ideas appeared to be impractical, and these she abandoned. The framework was up, and a half a dozen carpenters were lustily at work with saw and hammer. We'd have made better progress if this house were in an ordinary place, explained Hoyle. But you see, the wind blows here. So the framework had to be made as solid and strong as possible. In fact, it's bolted to the sills. Both living room and sleeping room were arranged so that the painted desert could be seen from one window, and on the other side, the whole of the San Francisco mountains. Both rooms were to have open fireplaces. Carley's idea was for service and durability. She thought of comfort in the severe winters of that high latitude, but elegance and luxury had no more significance in her life hoyle made his suggestions as to changes and adaptations and receiving her approval went on to show her what had already been accomplished back on higher ground a reservoir of concrete was being constructed near an ever-flowing spring of snow water from the peaks this water was being piped by gravity to the house and was a matter of greatest satisfaction to hoyle for he claimed that it would never freeze in the winter and would be cold and abundant during the hottest and driest of summers this assurance solved the most difficult and serious problem of ranch life in the desert next hoyle led carley down off the knoll to the wide cedar valley adjacent to the lake he was enthusiastic over its possibilities two small corrals and a large one had been erected the latter having a low flat barn Connected with it ground was already being cleared along the lake where alfalfa and hay were to be raised Carley saw the blue and yellow smoke from burning brush and the fragrant odor thrilled her Mexicans were chopping the cleared cedars into firewood for winter use the day was spent before she realized it at sunset the carpenters and mechanics left in two old ford cars for town the Mexicans had a camp in the cedars and the hoyles had theirs at the spring under the knoll where carley had camped with glenn and the hudders carley watched the golden rosy sunset and as the day ended she breathed deeply as if in unutterable relief supper found her with appetite she had long since lost twilight brought cold wind the staccato bark of coyotes the flicker of campfires through the cedars she tried to embrace all her sensations but they were so rapid and many that she failed. The cold, clear, silent night brought back the charm of the desert. How flaming white the stars, the great spire-pointed peaks, lifted cold, pale-gray outlines up into the deep, star-studded sky. Carly walked a little to and fro, loath to go to her tent, though tired. She wanted calm, but instead of achieving calmness, she grew more and more towards a strange state of exaltation, westward only a matter of twenty or thirty miles lay the deep rent in the level desert oak creek canyon if glenn had been there this night would have been perfect yet almost unendurable she was again grateful for his absence what a surprise she had in store for him and she imagined his face in its change of expression when she met him if only he never learned of her presence in arizona until she made it known in person that she most longed for chances were against it but then her luck had changed she looked to the eastward where a pale luminosity of afterglow shone in the heavens far distant seemed the home of her childhood the friends she had scorned and forsaken the city of complaining and striving millions if only some miracle might illumine the minds of her friends as she felt that hers was to be illumined here in the solitude. But she well realized that not all problems could be solved by a call out of the West. Any open and lonely land that might have saved Glenn Kilbourne would have sufficed for her. It was the spirit of the thing and not the letter. It was work of any kind, and not only that of ranch life, not only the raising of hogs. End of Chapter 11, Part 1